Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daily American Presses Chatting with Abby. Today I have a really, really special guest, my best friend from real life. She's she's barely, barely on Twitter. Uh, Elizabeth Kamakaviva Ole. Say hi, Elizabeth. Hello. And another special guest that you'll hear in the background is Elizabeth's first and currently only child, Aurora. Say hi, Aurora. Can you say hello? <laughs> she's giving us a big smile, but she's being being quiet. But you'll hear you'll hear her throughout this uh-huh. podcast. And one of the big reasons I wanted to do this is I think Elizabeth, as a young mother, has a really, really unique perspective on what it means to be pro-life, practically speaking, in everyday life, which we all know that that policy flows out from culture and culture flows out from just everyday mundane things. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Elizabeth, you told me a story around Mother's Day of this year. Why don't you tell that for the audience? Yeah, so uh, I celebrated this year, I celebrated my second Mother's Day, um, which to most people is unusual, given the fact that uh, Aurora was not born until uh, this past uh, year, after this past year's Mother's Day. Um, So I celebrated my first Mother's Day when she was in utero. Um, And this year I was celebrating my second Mother's Day. uh, And... I told this to my family as I was celebrating during our celebration. And one of my relatives said, what? No, it's your first Mother's Day. And I explained that, no, I said I celebrated my first Mother's Day last year when I was pregnant with her because I considered her my daughter then. I considered myself a mother then. And this relative kind of scoffed at me and said, a woman isn't a mother until she hears her baby cry for the first time. Now, bear in mind, this relative is staunchly pro-life. Um, worked as a nurse in a labor and delivery unit for many, many years, um, and is just about as conservative as, the, as they come. Um, and so this was, it was not a shock to me, um, but it was definitely sad um, because this is the pervasive mindset, even with pro-life people, that you don't celebrate Mother's Day until your baby is out of the womb, even though we consider it to be a baby before the baby is born for some reason we don't want to celebrate mismatch there yeah it's it's difficult to understand it it sounds like there's something deep in our language and understanding that even though we know that we know that we believe that that is a life in the womb there are a lot of practical ways in which especially in our language we're Mm -hmm. not acknowledging that that's what we believe and i think that we both have seen this a lot in facebook posts and things um you mentioned one you have been thinking of yeah there's a couple different like uh examples so you see mostly you see people saying i'm going to be a mom i'm going to be a dad or grandparents posting but i'm going to be a grandma uh or today's the day i became a grandma on the day when the baby was born or Mm -hmm. my child is going to be a big sister um we're so happy to have uh to become parents or something like that it's always talking about, sorry, that's Aurora playing with her uh, toys. Um, always talking in the future. Always, and the implication is you're not a mother yet. You're not a grandmother yet. Uh, this is not your daughter or your son yet. Mm-hmm. Because, it doesn't count. It's not yeah, real yet. That right. whole idea that it's not a real life. 
until it's out of the womb is so incongruous with what we what we say we mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Now, someone could could say, well, it's just a grammatical error. It's 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 not why, what's such a big deal about a grammatical error? Yeah, um, and that is true. It is a grammatical error. Um, however, it's a grammatical error that is stemming from an assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a grammatical error in the same way that you could say, Sally was my sister. If you have a sister named Sally, Sally was my sister. And yes, that's a grammatical error in the fact that, yeah, you're saying was instead of is. You're using past tense instead of present tense. But there are a lot of underlying implications underneath that past tense. Does that mean Sally is dead? Does that mean Sally is like uh, shunned from the family, (laughs) disowned from the family? Like, what does that mean? Surely there's some massive meaning. You don't just say Sally was my sister and expect that people will understand what you really mean. Uh, So it's in the same way, yes, it is a grammatical mistake, but it's one that has massive implications. If you're saying, uh, I'm going to be a mother, that implies you're not a mother right now. You don't have a child, you don't have a baby, Mm -hmm. and that whatever is in your womb is not a person. That is the implication. And I think that this is something that the left gets very right in the sense that they recognize how essential grammar is to the basic understanding of the world. And that's why they're so very, very desperate to force everybody to use uh, the pronouns that they want them to use and to acknowledge, even in those most basic of grammatical ways, a truth that they really, really, well, a falsehood that they really, really want society to accept as truth. And so saying I'm going to be a mother when when you have a child growing in you is is the same type of wrong as as calling a man she her isn't it yeah that it's it's words have power uh and words have even the tiniest words can convey massive massive implications and meanings and so and I think that's when I think that's when the words are most important is when you're using them in daily interactions in your normal life. And uh, because that's how you're presenting yourself and that's how you're Mm -hmm. showing your beliefs and your um, worldview to the people around you. And so, yeah, you agree with that? He does. (laughs) He's like, I was a person back then. I'm I'm very good at translating babies. Aurora is a really, really beautiful, very happy little girl who's a pleasure to be around, aren't you? <laughs> um, another thing that I that we've been talking about a lot that I have been so impressed with Elizabeth and her husband, Aaron, about is just the way that they have really not broken stride in their life having a kid. We see so many people, even, even very conservative, very pro-life people, insisting that that uh, having a child will really, really disrupt your life. You'll never sleep again. It'll be such a, just a terrible imposition on you. And from my perspective, at least I've seen Elizabeth and Aaron just continue doing all the things that they love best to do, just doing them with the child in tow and just never apologizing for that or acting like their child is going to be an imposition on the people around them. So Elizabeth, I wanted to first ask you a little bit about how your, how your work has uh, honored their pro-life beliefs mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, their policies surrounding kids. Yeah, I work uh, at 
HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, um, and they are a very conservative organization and they're very, their stances on uh, everything is very pro-family, very pro-life, very pro-child, pro-parental rights. Um, and I am just so happy with the fact that they put that into practice in their interactions um, with their employees. Um, when I uh, got pregnant, uh, they gave me six weeks of paid maternity leave when that is by no means a legal requirement um, in the United States um, and was just a deal breaker for me. Um, and they have been super flexible with allowing me to work from home as much as I need to in order to take care of um, Aurora. And uh, they've also been perfectly flexible with allowing me to bring her into the office whenever I need to uh, be in the office and whenever my husband is home with her. Um, and so I can just bring her in. I have a baby gate in my office and everyone is always super happy to see her. And she's just chilling in my office, playing with toys as I'm, you know, doing work. Um, people come by, stop by to see her and she just kind of brightens everyone's day. And uh, so it was just so, so much of a blessing that they put into practice um, in really uh, very practical ways. Um, what they're, what for many people is just more of a high concept. This is what I technically believe, but mm -hmm. not necessarily something I will act on in my daily life, especially when it comes to the workforce. Yeah, we, we, we love babies. We believe in having all the babies, but but we don't want a hint of them in our in our workplace. Mm -hmm. Has she ever cried while while you had her at work? Yeah, so she's actually a very chill baby. She does not cry a lot, um, which is obviously something that I'm very appreciative of, um, especially in a first child. Um, but she has cried a couple times at work. Um, any any uh, people have not like been bothered at all. Um, if anything, they've they've made little jokes about oh. Uh, they, they just made jokes about it and came to make sure that I was okay and that I didn't need anything. Um, so I've never felt, I've just been so sh surprised and even shocked, um, again, considering the general, like in our country, stance on children in a, you know, in an office building uh, at how welcoming um, and hospitable uh, everyone has been. And just like going above and beyond and wanting, like everyone wants to hold her and have mm -hmm. them in their office everyone and everything. Loves babies. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's just such a difference from any other place that I could ever imagine working mm -hmm. at. Yeah. We, I've, your husband has brought, I, I work at the same place as Elizabeth's husband, and he's brought Aurora around our office. And, and I would say the attitude is slightly less open mm -hmm. than at HSLDA, possibly just because. There are very few young people having children mm -hmm. uh, in the age range mm -hmm. of my office, but it, it's also just a, a welcome thing. People enjoy seeing her. And I wish, I, th I think we both wish that, that more of society was like that. That, mm -hmm. and, and when I say that, I want to be careful. So many people, when they talk about a change they want to see in society, they're talking about legislation they want to see. And I think what we're talking about is we want to see culture change. We mm -hmm. want to see businesses choosing these changes and not having them uh, levied upon them. But I think we're going to have a more healthy culture when as a whole, we stop acting like children are in imposition. And as a whole, we have 
we have a little bit more grace in the grocery store for mothers with crying children or a little, little less judgmental gazes to give to a situation in a day we really know nothing about because ultimately is, is somebody's kid being a little loud really such a, uh, really such a, an inconvenience to us if we're just going about our day picking up strawberries in the grocery store? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, yeah, children have every right to be in the public space as adults do. There's no reason why a child uh, should be ostracized or a parent should be judged um, for the fact that their children is crying in a grocery store or in a park. Um, just because children are not, um, Aurora is asking me to read her book. <laughs> I'm going to read the book. Come here, sit in my lap while I talk. Um, just because children don't have uh, the ability to emotionally process silently uh, <laughs> like adults have developed the ability to just because their brains aren't there yet does not mean that they need to be kept inside and away from people um, whenever they happen to be unhappy and and, mm -hmm. and have a little bit of a temper tantrum or a crying fit. Um, so children are people too. Uh, <laughs> children have the right to be in public spaces as well. Um, and just because they're a little louder doesn't give them any less right mm -hmm. than adults do. If anything, I think having kids around adults is helpful for their development mm -hmm. more so than either just keeping them at home with no, no influence or as they get older, just all the time being kind of cordoned off with, with peers. So they're mm -hmm. learning from their peers. But one of the things that um, Elizabeth and I were, were both largely homeschooled and, mm -hmm. and our parents recognized the value in socializing us with adults more so than with our own peers, just because adults have a lot more to teach, teach mm -hmm. a kid. And I don't, I don't necessarily see anything biblical in the idea of, of separating out age groups mm -hmm. and, and, uh, kind of just, yeah, making children very unwelcome mm -hmm. in, in adult spaces. Mm -hmm. And children can help adults develop too. Mm -hmm. Uh, children, uh, help adults develop patience, mm -hmm. um, and empathy. Mm. Uh, and honestly, I think children bring a level of genuineness to any situation that adults, like adults like to put on masks and pretend that things are not the case and like to pretend that, you know, poopy diapers don't exist, um, <laughs> and, and other such, um, things the, the, the work environment as a whole, uh, like the, uh, the a professional work environment is typically, it's just all stiff and, and entirely, um, just the opposite of genuine in my mind. Um, but a child will tell you when they love something, when they hate something, they will tell you. <laughs> yeah, they will tell you. Um, uh, they will uh, be unashamed and unabashed about liking or disliking something. And if they like it, then they will be obsessed with it and all over it, like she is trying to be with my computer right now. Um, and if they don't like something, then they will very loudly tell you about it. Um, and I think that's something that, I don't know. I just think that that does have value in our society of masks mm -hmm. and our society of um, just uh, not wanting to show your true face because it's too, it's not, it's not safe and it's not, uh, 
I don't know. I'd help you with a word. I'm not sure quite which one you're going for, but I, I definitely understand the the theme here that, that kids have a way of really cutting through all of yes. that mess. And yes, you're right. It Adults have a lot to learn from kids. And you see that a lot in C.S. Lewis's writing, mm-hmm. this idea that uh, a lot of times really unhealthy adults are the adults who have put their childhood very, very far behind and not allowed any childish influence. But you see Jesus saying, you need to have the faith of a child and let the mm-hmm. children come to me. Mm-hmm. That idea that, no, this isn't just an adult space. I want I want the children to be welcome here uh, when I'm when I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. So, and and we see that there's there's a couple different aspects of society. I think that this this concept affects one of them is is just valuing children enough to so that so that it's not so easy to kill them. I I, mm-hmm. I do think that. You know, while on its surface, you have a lot of people saying, oh, this is just a clump of cells. But you see those same people very, very heavily devaluing children and, and this attitude that, that pregnancy is this horrible, this horrible um, medical diagnosis and, mm-hmm. and instead of the miracle of life and that mm-hmm. children are this incredible imposition. And yes, mm-hmm. your life wildly changes and that's something that I haven't experienced yet to fully speak mm-hmm. on but uh, Elizabeth I have watched you uh you have a huge hobby for for theater and mm-hmm. community theater and I I have watched you not uh not miss a step in in that hobby and not give it up at all we want to talk a little bit about that and, and yeah. juggling that with Aurora. um and obviously I've I've super been helped by the fact that my husband is uh, so present and so uh, supportive um, in our life. Um, and I would not be able to do nearly as much as I have been able to do if I were a single mom. Um, so I think having that support, like both like within the family and just like with friends or whoever your support system might be is just so important. Um, but yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm heavily involved with a local theater troupe. Oh, that's, that's in your head. <laughs> Do you have tape on your head? You have some tape on your head. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, where was I? Yes. Uh, so yeah, I have uh, been still involved, just as involved. I took a little bit of a step back when I initially had had her, um, but that didn't last for long. Um, and in the most recent play I was in, actually, um, I brought her in with me, and she, I, I was playing a character who uh, had had her daughter stolen away from her. Um, many years ago, and so Aurora was able to come on stage for just a few minutes and uh, kind of in, act as my daughter, um, and that was a really special experience. Um, and yeah, so it's uh, yeah, I I'm just I'm not considering her an imposition. I'm not considering her to be an inconvenience in my life because she's most certainly not. She's made my life so much brighter and so much more interesting. Erin and I were just talking the other day, just like. Our life was just so boring before her. Uh, <laughs> we just sat around and like watched TV in our spare time. And now there's just like, she, she helps us see the interest and the joy and all these little things that she encounters in our life is just so much more interesting and colorful than it ever was before. Um, but yeah, uh, hang on rabbit trail. Where was I? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we don't we don't we don't consider her to be in imposition, and we just kind of continue doing life 
with her. Um, I bring her to rehearsal sometimes. Um, and uh, I've yeah brought her to to run throughs of the show. And um, yeah, it's uh, something where I just kind of keep doing life. Um, and I just assume that, you know, my friends, like if Aurora's with me, we're a package deal. Um, so if you want to hang out with me, then that's great. I want to hang out with you too. Um, and, uh, Aurora will be there too. <laughs> um, and so it's not like she, she can't, I, I do, it, it does cause some scheduling. Like sometimes if the, in the evening, um, at least Aaron or I have to be home because we, she's asleep. So either my friends will come over to my place to hang out. Um, or Aaron will have, will be at home while I go to hang out with my friends. And we do have to schedule things around her schedule a little bit more, but it's, it's not, it, it, it just requires a little bit of extra work. I, I don't think it's yeah. an entire like lifestyle. All, all of a sudden I am chained at home. Yeah. And don't have a life. People give up things for their dogs mm-hmm. that they think that they wouldn't be willing to give up for a child or people you lose you lose a year year of sleep to have to have a kid but people have in put themselves in much greater impositions for a bad job or mm-hmm. something else i think that it comes down to your priorities and i think a lot of people it's one of those things where until you experience it it's difficult to describe to somebody how meaningful having a child is especially when there's a lot of young parents around who do nothing but complain and don't seem to see the value mm-hmm. in their new kids mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's definitely like it does add difficulties to your life you do lose a year of sleep it's only about a year you do lose a little bit of you do you do have problems with sleeping for a year um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think a year of less sleep is that bad. Um, when in exchange, you get this wonderful, beautiful little human being in your life. Um, yeah, it's, I I wish everyone could experience the kind of love that, that you experience and you, that comes into your life when you have a child. Just the amount of love, um, it's just, it's indescribable. The other night, I was just kind of feeding her, and I was kind of just getting near tears because I was just so indescribably grateful and happy at this little, just tiny, this pocket human in my life who is just um, so wonderful and that I have the privilege of being able to uh, love and and uh, nurture and see watch her grow up. And it just, it's... They say it's indescribable because it really is, but it's just the most wonderful feeling in the world. And it's, I mean, all the little tiny changes you might have to make to your life is, I don't think it remotely compares to what you get in return. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. It's so, it's so interesting because we see, we see just statistically, we see so, so many people just choosing not to Mm -hmm. Um, either, either choosing to put it off for a very, very long time or choosing um, not not to have children at all, choosing to prioritize careers, mm-hmm. choosing essentially money or or prestige. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to just not even understanding what they're giving up mm-hmm. and not having a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to Aaron the other day. We were commiserating by the with the fact that like when you it, it like if you don't connect to your nieces and nephews, and you think that that means that you won't like having kids, that's not true because I love kids. I've always loved kids and I've loved my nieces and nephews and they're wonderful. But that connection is 
you cannot even compare how to the connection between a parent and a child. Um, and like, as cute as you think babies tend to be, you will think your baby is so much cuter than any other baby. I just, I could watch her. I could stare at her all day and I always have been able to. And uh, it's just, we were commiserating about the fact that like at some point, you know, depending on how many kids we have at some point in the next 10, 15 years, we will get to the point in our life where we will not have a daily dose of cuteness in our life. And that's just so sad to think about because like right now I just have a front row seat to just such, such cuteness. Like she's currently stepping on a wooden thing and enjoying like the, the feeling against her bare foot and just like watching her experience everything for the first time is just so wonderful. And at some point it's going to get to the point where I have my last kid and I won't have you. I won't have all that cuteness every day, every hour of every day anymore. And that's a little sad to think about. Um, and it's obviously not just cuteness, but that's just one little example. Like, cuteness if you love puppies, a... if you love dogs, the amounts, like, if you have a dog, the what you get, like, the, the emotional connection and joy that you get out of having a kid is just, like, a, what you have from mm -hmm. a dog or a cat, but just tenfold. Cuteness is a word that just... It, it's so easy and, and almost cheap, but it can go so deep. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> you can really uh, use it to sum up something that's difficult to catch in any other word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know the joy that my cats give me because mm -hmm. they're so darn cute, mm -hmm. and that I'm I'm exponentially more in, in a small human. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're at a point in society where. Our population is dropping off in a way that is harmful to our country, and I think that we're seeing we're seeing the impacts of this choice not to have children, and the impacts of the choice to kill so many children. Mm -hmm. And we see that in in massive levels of unhappiness, especially mm -hmm. in women, but in men as well. People who have that instinctive need and that hole in them that that children can help fill mm -hmm. um now children aren't supposed to be your end-all be-all all of your purpose and all of your all of your joy because that can only be god but we see so many people who thought that they would be happier if they didn't accept this imposition in their lives and either regret it or don't even know enough to mm -hmm. to know that they should regret it mm -hmm. but but that is the source of a huge amount of mm -hmm. unhappiness in our society and and economic issue because of the decline of population uh, yeah. she agrees aurora, aurora agrees, agrees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need more of me more babies more babies more babies what's your ideal uh family family number what do you think uh <laughs> i mean probably a, a at least probably four kids um maybe i would say no more than like six um, and that, that number might change, um, over the years. Um, I definitely, um, would like to potentially look into fostering at some point, whether that's, um, I, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it until I have all of my kids and, and, um, then I would foster, um, whether that's immediately after that or like later on in life. But I do think that, um, fostering is something that I, that I, I think, 
is is an obviously a need and i think it is something that if we are pro-life we should be looking into helping with the mm -hmm. foster system um and uh my uh, husband's uh has has adopted uh siblings as well and that's something that could you know potentially be something down the line mm -hmm. um but yeah again going back to the showing that you're pro-life in mm -hmm. a bunch of little ways that everyday ways um even to the point of opening your home to to children who have nowhere else yeah. to go is also i think that the church should be doing more of yeah there are so many parents or wannabe parents out there who really really want a mm -hmm. child and can't necessarily afford mm -hmm. to adopt or just don't know don't mm -hmm. know it's i mean it's a it's a thick legal process and, right. and a complex legal process and i think if more churches were putting energy into connecting mm -hmm. people who want to open their homes to children to the mm -hmm. resources whether that's money or just information that would help them to be able to do that mm -hmm. now that that roe has been overturned mm -hmm. i think that we as a church as a society as a conservative community all of that uh from our doing a lot from our grammar yeah from our grammar to it's not just it's not just uh giving money to, to a crisis pregnancy center. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that we could be doing and should be doing outside of legislation mm -hmm. to, it doesn't mean you have to adopt if, if that's not what you're called to do, but there, there are a lot of ways mm -hmm. that we could, we could do better at this and help, mm -hmm. help rescue, uh, young, young people who weren't ready to be moms, help rescue children who've been abandoned, all mm -hmm. of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really think like, yeah, the, the church has done so much already. Like we are definitely a good example of there's so many things that we have done that is putting our money and our actions where our beliefs are. But mm -hmm. I think we need to do more given 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 a post row world. Um, oh, you want me to put that in my mouth? <laughs> um, given a post row world, we need to step up even more because things are. Oh, OK. Ah. In a post row world. Uh, we need to step up even more because it's going to change. A lot of things are going to change and we're not working with the circumstances that we have been working mm -hmm. with before. It's going to be different and it's going to be a lot worse for a lot of uh, single mothers um, and women with bad family situations or bad economic situations. Um, and we need to even more than we have been put our money and our actions where our beliefs are. Um, so um i am looking forward to hopefully seeing that um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more children and i'm looking forward to seeing companies realizing that mm -hmm. their employees will be healthier mm -hmm. if if workplaces aren't so scrubbed of all mention of mm -hmm. children and uh the more that companies can work with young mothers to either work from home or allow their kids into the workplace or both some of that you know the the Mm -hmm. child care issue being so expensive and so emotionally awful mm -hmm. for both the mother and the child. Mm -hmm. There's a lot I think that can, can and should, and probably will uh, organically change in our society to be more <laughs> pro family. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd really like to see that happening. I'm so glad to see that it's, it's working in Elizabeth's corner of the world. And uh, we, yeah, we hope to see it. We hope to see our culture just get, healthier when mm -hmm. it comes to these issues as a result of Roe and as a result of the work of the pro-life movement. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Elizabeth. 
Thank you so much, Aurora, for being here. <laughs> and uh, I will I will see you all on Twitter. <laughs>